As a church, um, both at Creekside and throughout Willow Park, we've been traveling through the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, and uh, we find ourselves this Sunday, it was sort of called a free Sunday, so we could preach on anything we wanted, but I've decided to stay in March, in the March, (laughs) well, it is March, I've decided to stay in the Gospel of Mark for this Sunday. Uh, Some of the chapters, there's a a lot of stories in them. And to sort of wrap them up in in 30 minutes on a Sunday morning is a bit challenging. And when I looked at uh, Mark chapter 6, it seemed to me that there was something we could talk about in Mark Mark 6 that we didn't talk about last week that kind of fits this morning, and that's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I must admit that as I was thinking about um, this story, it's a fair chunk of Mark 6, uh, there was part of me that said, "Uh, yeah, I don't know if we need to talk about this. I've heard it so many times. People have heard it so many times, Uh, and then it kind of spoke to me uh, that I probably need to look at this kind of again in a fresh way. So, uh, and it fits with what we're talking about this entire morning, Um, physical bread, and Jesus says that he is a bread of life. Uh, feeding of the 5,000. We don't have 5,000, but we're going to feed whoever is here. And so it kind of felt like this was a good fit for this Sunday morning. Uh, generally, I have slides that accompany the, uh, the scripture that I read. Um, they happen to be put on the screen, but in a different translation than what I'm going to use. So I'm simply going to read them, and the, you may want to follow along in your, own, in your own Bible, but they won't be on the screen this morning. Mark 6, verse 30 to 44. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry and told him all they had done and taught. And we talked a bit about what that ministry was about last week. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles did not even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Uh, To me, one of the most important parts of this story is the next verse. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. As I thought about that a little bit this week, I was wondering what was it about that crowd that caused compassion to well up in Jesus? What was it about them? 
Certainly they wouldn't all have been sick. Uh, maybe it was to do with their poverty, I'm not sure. But there was something about that crowd that caused Jesus to feel compassion towards them. So he began, it says, teaching them many things. And late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, why don't you feed them? With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. And Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. And they came back and reported, well, we have five loaves of bread and we have two fish. And then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100 Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. And then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. Five loaves of bread, two fish. Even if it had fed 500 people, it would have been a miracle. But it fed 5,000. It does not say they each had a little nibble. It says they ate and were filled with more leftovers than what they had started with. And Mark records this. Other Gospels record this. And it's a reminder that Mark is writing all of these things, all of these miracles that Jesus did. And they also say many more Miracles Jesus did that are not recorded, but they're written down so that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that in him we might find life and life eternal. So when we read these, it's a reminder of who Jesus is, who our Savior is, and what our Savior can do. And I would say this morning what our Savior has done for us. In this story, the disciples' suggestion to send the crowd home was certainly a reasonable one. It was getting late. Disciples were tired. Jesus would have been tired. People would have a long journey to get back to wherever they have come from. So the suggestion of the disciples that we should probably shut this down was completely reasonable. And I, as I think about the story one of the things that stood out for me was that Jesus did not say, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. He actually says to the disciples, well, why don't you feed them? 
that response would have seemed ludicrous to the disciples. Even if they looked at what they managed to gather, five loaves and two fish, that response of Jesus about, well, why don't you feed them, would have seemed absolutely almost bizarre. And as I thought about those few words that Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them, some other short little phrases that Jesus has used in Mark came to my mind. Who touched me? If you remember that story, he's crowds all around him, pressing around him, and all of a sudden he asks, who touched me? The disciples say, Jesus, I mean, take a look, there's so many people around you. What do you mean, who touched you? She's not dead. She's sleeping. Your sins are forgiven. Many of these comments that Jesus made in situations where miraculous things happened, in a way, would have baffled those who had listened to them. To suggest that this little girl was actually sleeping and not dead would have seemed ludicrous to those who were in that setting. They knew that she was dead. All of these little comments that Jesus gives from a human perspective seem to ignore what should be obvious. So when Jesus asked, how much food do we have? The amount that they gathered would have only proven that. This is all we have. And Jesus takes what they have. Jesus blesses it. And it becomes more than enough. I thought about just that itself. And about does that have something to say to you and to me. About what we have. And about who we are. If we're willing to actually give that to Jesus. He will bless it, and he will do what he wants with it. And I think that story is played out so often in people's lives who have truly given what they have and who they are to Jesus. But in the Gospels, the response to Jesus and his miracles often is more like, Wow, how did you do that? Or it's a response of, can you do that again? Show me another miracle. Rather than the response of, who are you? Who are you? And it's that that I think Mark, throughout his gospel, is asking us to consider who Jesus is. There's a verse in this account that I think also gives a glimpse into who Jesus is, into who God is. 
and why he did what he did both in this miracle and why he does what he does even today in 2017. These people, it says in one translation, had run to this location by foot, which means they probably could have run home on foot. It wasn't so far away that they couldn't actually go home and take care of themselves. And it says, verse 634, a vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. One of the things that strikes me when I look at the Gospel of Mark, I would love to know what he taught them. Mark so often just tells what he did. It's a, it's a gospel full of miracles, but most of the time it's Jesus' teaching. And I'd be so curious to know what it would be like to sit in that crowd and listen. What's he talking about? And in this story, it struck me that Jesus' compassion, and this is maybe a stretch, but I'm going to go there. Jesus' compassion led to a sense of obligation. It's as if Jesus is saying, I've kept you here so long. The least I can do is provide lunch for you. As I said, maybe it's a stretch, but I'm not convinced that it's a stretch. Uh, I think that would be probably an effective way of reining in long-winded pastors. Say, we'll listen to you for 35 minutes. If it goes longer than that, you're buying us lunch. Jesus demonstrated, I think, in this miracle, that true compassion is actually expressed in action. That true compassion moves Jesus to actually do something. True compassion in us moves us to take action of some kind. And those today, I think, who support various causes, whatever they might be, social justice causes, uh, those who support ministries that serve the underserved, those who sacrifice in order to go out, are expressing true compassion. And so Jesus fed them. But the recipients of this miracle, these five, six, seven, maybe it's 8,000 if you count all the women and children, would find themselves hungry the very next day and would actually have to fend for themselves. I think the provision of physical bread for this crowd was meant for them to think about the fact that there is a kind of bread that'll actually sustain you. And I wonder when he's teaching the crowd whether that's what he's talking about. The kingdom of God. The reality of that which is invisible. That there is bread of life that will sustain you even if you are physically hungry. In John 6.35 he says this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go 
hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And he's obviously not talking about physical food or drink. And in this miracle is Jesus saying, yes, I actually have the power to provide you physical food in a miraculous way. But in reality, most of you also have the ability to provide yourselves physical food. But I want you to consider bread of life. It's bread of life that comes from me alone. And Jesus would say, I'm talking about that. I am talking about me, Jesus would say. Will you accept? Will you believe? Will you embrace? Will you follow me? Because even if you do, even if you become hungry, even if you die, like everyone else, for whatever reason, you will live because I am the resurrection and I am the life and those who believe in me will have eternal life and you will drink of a fountain that will never run dry. As I think about this miracle, I believe Jesus is beginning to talk about the reality of that which is eternal, eternal that reward that lies ahead for those who embrace him as Lord and Savior. And as I thought about this miracle this week, I was drawn to, I'm going to call it another miracle, although we don't read it that way. It's recorded in Acts in the early church. The miracle in Mark chapter 6, I would call temporary. The next day, those same people were hungry. The miracle in Acts and in the early church is eternal and ongoing. Acts 2, verses 36 to 42. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees, so religious leaders. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested Peter and John, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until the morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of believers now totaled about... Anybody know the number? 5,000. And I don't want to draw parallels that are not meant to be drawn, but I thought in Mark 6, Jesus physically feeds what it, in many translations it says 5,000 men. In Acts chapter 4, 5,000 people taste of the bread of life. In Mark chapter 6, the number refers to those who are be hungry again. In Acts 6, the number refers to those who would never hunger again. 
These converts, I think in Acts chapter 4 and throughout the beginning of Acts, these converts received likely what Jesus was teaching about in Mark chapter 6. The reality of the kingdom of heaven, the reality of things eternal, the reality of things invisible. In Acts chapter 6, these believers, in a way that those who would have seen him in Mark never did, these believers received and accepted Jesus. And they experienced what I will call the miracle of spiritual rebirth. And they received in their life the indwelling presence of the Spirit and the presence of God. They received in their life that which is eternal. The leftovers of Mark chapter 6 are quite impressive. I'm not sure you have, how you have that many leftovers when you start with so little and you fed so many. There are no leftovers in chapter 4 of Acts. What was offered to people in Acts chapter 4 is exactly what the gospel offers to people in 2017. It is just as rich, it is just as fresh, it is just as satisfying as they were to the early church. You might say the only expiry date on the bread of life is that which God himself will one day determine when he returns. And until then, it is offered freely to all who believe. God says, I will sustain you. In the middle of adversity, I will satisfy you. I will be your rock, I will be your peace, I will be your comfort, I will be your refuge in times of trouble. Because I am your savior and God is a good, good father. And the reality is that as we sit here as children of God, those of you who have expressed your faith in Jesus as the son of God, is that as we sit here, he is preparing a place for us that will be more amazing than any miracle we read about in the Gospel of Mark. And it's the challenge that is always before us as children of God to be willing to walk by faith and to not to walk by, fight, by sight. To walk by faith and not asking, well, I need a miracle in order to know. There's a point in the New Testament, I think it's where Thomas is doubting whether Jesus is actually who he says he was. And Jesus says to Thomas, come up and touch. And Thomas comes up and touches Jesus and says he believes. And Jesus says, how much more blessed will be those who believe without seeing. He's talking about you and me. Mark chapter 6 that verse that says, Jesus looked at the crowd and had compassion on them. And yesterday when I was driving around, the thought crossed me that that compassion of Jesus was not sort of just an isolated occurrence or event. 
it struck me that Jesus had compassion because that's who Jesus is. That God, through Jesus, has compassion on all of us because he is a compassionate God. This morning, we're going to partake in the, the Lord's Supper. It's a reminder of the sacrifice of Jesus, his broken body, his shed blood, in order that we could live. I'm thankful that I get to experience that life that Jesus has given me here and now. I embrace that. I think it truly has made my life better. But it speaks to something that is still coming. So those of you who are children of God, those of you who have said yes to Jesus Christ, who acknowledge him as the Son of God, later in Mark, Jesus is going to ask the question of people, who do you say that I am? And there are those who will respond, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And so... I think it's fitting that we actually have communion this Sunday too. It just happened to be the same Sunday we're having the Guatemalan feast. That's physical food. This is a reminder that there's spiritual food that will never run dry. I'm going to pray. And uh, this morning when we partake in communion, there'll be a, a person up at the top. So those of you sitting closer to the back, you can receive uh, the bread and the juice up there kind of in the landing, and then there'll be two places down here as we usually do. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are the giver of life, that, Father, you are the sustainer of life, that life itself comes from you. It's a precious gift, that life all around us speaks to who you are. But, Father, we thank you this morning as we think about communion, as we think about what you taught, that, Father, what you offer us is bread that will sustain us, even if physically we feel worn out. Father, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray. As we think about things eternal, as we think about things invisible, help us, Lord Jesus, to know how great a sacrifice you have made in order that we could live. So, Father, we thank you for that this morning as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.